Howdy, y'all. Welcome to Yesbot. This week's guest is Valerie Ward. Hello improvisers and welcome to another edition of YesBot, the podcast about building a better improviser. My name's Chris Mead, I'm an improviser and amateur roboticist living and working in the United Kingdom. Um, for those of you that haven't listened to the show before, here is an incredibly quick summary. I was out walking in the woods behind my house and I found a robot that had been abandoned. It wasn't working but I dragged it back to my house and rebuilt it and in rebuilding it found it was an ImprovBot 5000 this incredible machine that gets to improvise and it does this by uh, following five lines of code five rules of improv if you like which we input by putting cartridges much like an N64 cartridge into the back of it um, and I thought well this is an amazing opportunity I would never have been able to afford a robot like this but it's dropped in my lap uh, let me ask some of my improv friends um to help me program it and i'm very lucky in that the fact that some of my improv friends are absolute improvising geniuses um so now i get to i mean literally in this case travel the world and ask people um what are the five best rules of improv to create the the perfect scene partner or the yeah or however you want to couch that. And this week, I'm incredibly excited to have as my guest, Valerie Ward. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. It's really funny in podcasting, you have to sort of pretend you're not there right up to the point, like you're sticking your head through a door at that moment. <laughs> oh, hi, am I late? Am I on time for the podcast? Let me just put my headphones on. Yeah, Valerie just walked in. Um, oh, just let me catch my breath a minute. Oh. <laughs> um, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah. Uh, I'm always uh, incredible. It's just lovely that people, uh, such talented people, uh, have the time to program my robot with me. Oh, it's uh, just flattered. I'm flattered to be asked. Oh. And I, I, I'm your robot is so beautiful. Thank I can't you. believe you just found it. That's amazing. Yeah, I know. It's um, it's almost unbelievable, but it's it's not. But unbelievable. it's here. Yeah, it's right. So here. I do believe it because seeing is believing. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And um, and uh, obviously, listeners only have our word for it that it's there, but it is there. I mean, you have two people's words. Yeah. So. Obviously. And also I can bang on it and it'll make a metallic sound. There, what more proof do you need, people? <laughs> there's no there's no way we could have faked that. Um, Val, do you mind saying a little bit about yourself and your improv journey thus far? Yes, I would love to. Um, I started doing, I always kind of wanted to do improv, but didn't know it was a thing I could do. I always loved making things up. Uh, and then in college, I found out it was a thing I could do. I was in a college improv troupe, and we did it a lot. We rehearsed three times a week. Wow. And there were about 20 of us in the troupe because we had no idea what we were doing. Um, 
And uh, yeah, and then I started doing things at the Hideout Theater in Austin, Texas, and just kept doing things and doing things and doing things. And now I perform and teach and direct shows at the Hideout, and I'm a member of Parallelogram of Phonograph. We've been together for um, almost 11 years now, and uh, we, we get the pleasure and privilege of traveling the world to teach and perform Um, as well as create magic in our hometown of Austin, Texas. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty lovely improv life that you've built for yourself, I think. If you'll allow me to compliment yeah, your life in that way. It is. It is a wonderful life. I'm, I'm George Bailey and I'm surrounded by riches. <laughs> it is. It is a wonderful life. There's bells ringing everywhere. It's amazing. I, I just want to say how um, personally instructive and, and life-changing seeing your you guys improvise has been pigraph for me are a paradigm shifting bit of improv uh to watch so i hope people will seek you out uh, oh good because you travel a lot right so yeah can... we we try to um make at least one big international trip a year um so we've been to the uk quite a lot we've been to australia we're we're reaching out into europe yeah trying to get our tentacles across europe so You're, I mean, tentacles makes you sound a bit like you're malicious or evil, but uh, I mean, I think normally evil people have pet tentacles, right? I don't think octopus, octopi think they're evil. I think they're ter terrifying. But they don't think they're terrifying. Sure. They're just, they're just looking for food. We're just looking for food. <laughs> but they do it in such a weird way. And they can, you know, like octopuses can break themselves down and go through like tiny holes. Yeah. And they can... Oh, uh, let's say we're we're a, a beautiful plant and we're sending out roots mm, that's much around nicer. the world. Yeah, I yeah. don't want people to think you're evil because you're not. No, uh, or at least I I don't know that I can't see any reason why you would be. I don't think we're evil. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> so, um, obviously, you introduced the robot already. If I turn it over oh. these are the five slots um mm -hmm. in which we input the rules and here are your five cartridges okay um that you can input your stuff into All right um and so we'll put them in turn them over and then just do a couple of scenes and then that's the end of the podcast yeah sounds great rule number one be in love with your scene partner fantastic uh would you like to expand on that a little bit yeah i um It's just so nice to be in a scene with someone or to watch scenes where people have a reason to be with the other person mm -hmm. that's not external, that there's, it's internal, that there's, no matter whether they're arguing or happy or sad or afraid, that they, there's something about the other person that draws them to them. And there's that connection and that togetherness and that love, like something deeper than circumstance that brings those people together. And I love to see that. And it feels great when the other person wants to be there with you. It feels awful when they don't want to be there with you. If you're in a scene with someone and you don't want to be with them, just leave and let somebody else do a scene that wants to be there. Sure. Um, yeah, and just find a reason why you want to be there, not why you have to be there. I think that's always so beautiful to see. And that's and it's so ironic that so many improvisers feel that conflict at the top of a scene is more interesting, and, and I think people default to conflict a huge amount, right? Oh yeah, I mean it. It all comes out of fear. You're afraid, and so you 
put up defenses and you don't want to let the other person in. But really, yeah, being in love just means being vulnerable um, to the other person and letting them in to you. And there's like massive graduations in, you know, you don't have to be in passionate kind of soulmate love, but you want to just, you want to be there in the room with them. Yeah. And I, I think that's a great way if you find yourself in a scene that feels very tense, that feels very argumentative, if you can find the love there, find the reason you're with them, then it gives you a little bit of breathing room and it makes whatever conflict comes up more meaningful because there's more at stake because you love them. Um Yeah, I mean, the people that you hate most in the world, it's probably because you really love them too. (laughs) Sure, yeah. And that makes everything much more rich and meaningful. And the characters themselves can still be grotesques, or but they've they've oh, got yeah. love between the two of them. In yeah, some way. I um I took an amazing workshop with Dummy when they came through Austin, and uh, just kind of the the situation they kept setting up was that you watch these two awful people on stage, and all you can think is, thank God they have each other. Like how wonderful. I don't ever want to be with those people, but they love each other and they need each other. And thank God they found each other so that they can share that awfulness together. It's like, oh, what a relief. I I took that dummy workshop too. And that was a bit of a, a, a turning point for me. I do always try and, um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love it if people thought of my characters, like, thank God they had each other. I think it's such a powerful, interesting uh, way to to create characters and relationships. Yeah, because if you can't find that thing that you share, even if um, it's just something that you both love together, that you care about together, if you don't have that, then why are you even in the same room with that person? Why are we watching this? Yeah, and we throw up all these reasons that you can't, stay but they always tend to oh like you see sort of silly things like oh the door's locked or you know it's like people should just leave a scene if it's not working because um what yeah why do we want to see people not connecting it's not really uh, any fun at all exactly brilliant well i'm glad that we are gifting emotional connection to the robot number two uh this is going to sound funny but be upset with your scene partner Ooh. Ah, now, I am intrigued. I have no idea what you mean by this. I'm excited. (laughs) I was thinking about um, what is fun for me when I'm on stage um, and, like, the scenes that I really enjoy. And I guess be upset is um, maybe a smaller example of what I really mean, which is be affected. Mm -hmm. But it's – but – I think it's the what makes the love feel rich and interesting and give it stakes is uh, I love being in a scene where I'm just doing my thing and the other person is just like, what? And getting flustered and upset with me and I'm just pushing all their buttons. Oh, I love pushing buttons. And I love someone who lets their buttons be pushed. Yeah. That's what I love. And I love to see it on stage. I love it when somebody is just digging into someone else and getting under their skin and affecting them and making them, like pushing some, pushing them to that point of making a choice, having a reaction. Oh, it's just so alive to see that. And to be in love with someone means that you're giving them license to affect you. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. So it, it feels so much more earned and real when you can needle and... Uh, yeah, get under people's skin. 
Because if you're just in love and nothing they do can affect you, nothing pushes you, nothing changes you, you're just this serene, placid surface, that's also lacks depth, lacks yeah. interest, lacks that's tension. That's storybook love, right? That sort of, it's not real, it's not couched in reality in any way. Yeah. And, um, and, and just seeing people get flustered and get upset and that shows you that they love them because mm -hmm. they, they know each other so well, they know what to do. And it, I think it shows um, the love between the people on stage, the improvisers, not just the characters, that you know what will push the improviser's button and get a reaction. When you can genuinely surprise or delight or aggravate somebody on stage and you see that come through, they're not playing that, they're just being that. I'm like, yes, this is why we're watching improv. Yeah. That's what makes it different than scripted theater. Because in scripted theater, you can play upset or surprised or delighted. But um, I think it's a, a much different place to be in to be truly surprised in a scripted work versus improv. We have that opportunity in every moment to surprise and delight and aggravate the other person on stage with us. And we should always be looking for that. And that's a connection to the person mm. too. It's such a great way to look at it. And I think uh, I think that's really true from an emotional sense, but it's also true from a narrative thing. That If someone does, I, I think I've heard it couched in pinch and ouch. If someone pinches you and you don't react with an ouch, then suddenly the, the story doesn't have a motor anymore. If you're the person who hates cats and has always hated cats and someone throws a cat into the room with you and you don't react then then your character has nothing anymore you're you're completely um flattening any intensity in the scene any you make a promise when you say i'm afraid of cats yeah for and if people don't need anything from each other or want anything from each other then there is no scene rule number three make a lot of assumptions Mm -hmm. And um, I, it, part of it's, you know, be specific and define things. But I like the idea of assumptions and kind of not just the details of where we are and who we are, but what it means mm. of where we are and who we are, you know. So if I like put down a, a coffee cup and then my partner assumes something about what that is and why I'm doing it. Then it's like, oh, that gives me so much to play with. And yeah. it's so fun. So uh, the specifics start mounting up when you make assumptions freely and easily. And that creates this sort of beautiful, textured, varied scene. Yeah, it's that um, the idea of if this is true, what else is true? And you, if you can go through that in your mind and give it back to the other person, it's like, oh. And then you don't have to create. You just discover. You just follow that logical chain as long as you let yourself go there and it, it that back and forth just like creates so much so quickly to play with like the characters were always alive and breathing and you're just stepping into their world and then when the scene ends it steps out again you're not creating that world you're just playing Inhabiting around in it. it yeah yeah amazing yeah. and i'm really interested in that one because i find so much in life improv rules are great for life as well but obviously in life we always say you know to assume makes an ass out of you and me, mm -hmm. but uh, but this is one in improv where where actually 
it's different where we, we should do something improv that perhaps we shouldn't do so much in real life. Well, because in real life, we don't have to assume because we know. Mm-hmm. Um, when you say, come, come be on my podcast, I know what that means because I know you. I've known you for years. I, you are my friend. Oh. Um, but if uh, when you're in an improv scene, if you come up to me and say, be on my podcast, I can't just think, what does that mean? Yeah, and yeah. ask you about it and have, you know, five mm. minutes of the scene be explaining what the podcast is. I just have to put myself in the place of someone who knows as much as I would know in real life in that situation. Yeah, and that, that means, makes perfect sense. Yeah, making those assumptions. So it's like advanced, yes, and it's like I'm going to agree with what you're saying and then I'm going to put something on that that I would know in this situation. Exactly. Yeah. And it's all about letting yourself kind of calm down and read everything that's there in the moment, not just the words. The words are probably the least important part of what's going on in the scene. But letting yourself see what is the other person's posture? What is their vocal inflection? How are they looking at me? How do um, I look at them? What is the emotion that's going on between us? How do we feel about each other? And our brains are really good at making those assumptions in real life. Mm-hmm. And then when we're on stage, we get worried and we kind of shut down all those mechanisms. But if we can relax a little bit and let those do their job, we can make amazing things. One of my favorite exercises to do is have two people stand on stage about 10 feet apart facing each other near the front of the stage and just spend a good two minutes just looking at the other person. And as you look at them, start letting your brain make assumptions about who you are, who the other person is, where you are in that moment, how you feel about them, how they feel about you, what your history is, what you're wearing. Just like let your brain kind of fantasize and daydream about what this relationship is with the other person without inventing, just really letting yourself kind of discover if this is true, what else is true. Find that first little spark of they seem kind of mad. What does that mean? And following that. And then both people start a scene with that much assumption And it's amazing. Some of the details will get lost from each person's story as they kind of mash them together. Mm -hmm. But it's amazing how much carries through and how rich the scenes are from the very first moment. That's a really interesting way of thinking about it. Because the truth is that no one person has the truth of any situation. There is no one truth of any situation. Mm. How I see even you and I's relationship is different than how you see it. Mm-hmm. And both of those things are true from our perspective. And ours are probably pretty close to each other. Um, but, you know, it can be so different. One person can see a romantic relationship as almost like a mother-child dynamic right. and the other person could see it as like a savior victim relationship and both of those truths can exist on top of each other and be really powerful when they overlap and in fact uh, the motor of some really great stories right this kind of the fact that one person doesn't see a relationship the same way as someone else so if we can bring that richness to an improv scene exactly then and uh, and that Spending two minutes is kind of the way you train yourself. And the more you work with the same people and the more you open yourself up to that possibility, the quicker and quicker that uh, that process goes. Mm. And so when you see someone like TJ and Dave, they look at each other for five seconds at the beginning of the scene and they've already made all those assumptions because they know each other so well and they're so well practiced in it that they're doing that exact same thing, but just like that. Hey, if we can do something the same as TJ and Dave... Why, why wouldn't we do that? Why power? not? Rule number four. React with silence. 
I think uh, silence and leaving space are really underutilized in improv. And it's so much more impactful to see how you feel than for you to say how you feel. And mm -hmm. if you have to say it to get it out there, totally, totally go for it. Um, don't worry about trying to be subtle, but really just letting things breathe. Like, especially if somebody says something very impactful to you, just taking it in and giving yourself a moment to really experience it and discover what it means. That is the reaction before you say, hey, you can't leave me. We have five kids together um, and going straight to the words, just really being affected. Do you think there's something to do with um, certainly the UK educational system? And I'm sure the US system as well puts so much, um, it puts a priority on words, on verbalizing, on facts. I feel like that's why we think to say it is so much more important than to show it. I feel like we're working against how we've been instructed from a very young age. Um, and that's why there's this kind of priority of like people just talking like this is information. Here is some more exposition. And, and, and it's so refreshing when an improviser will show rather than tell who takes some time uh, in silence to do some space work to inhabit the world. It, it looks incredible because we just don't see it happen that often. Yeah, definitely. I think. Um, especially people who are good with words, it's a great way to protect yourself mm. from feeling anything <laughs> or reacting, honestly. Um, we're, we're very good at constructing arguments to defend our position, and we're taught that in, in school from a very young age of how to, make it, how to write an argument, how to build your case, um, how to protect your position. And we're not taught as much to listen and react and feel and be affected and really do a lot of self-analysis in yeah. regards to what other people give us. So again, is we're very lucky as improvisers to be able to undo some of that programming. And uh, yeah, and I don't know, there's a bunch of ways that I think doing improv has made me a better person. Like not a great person, but it's certainly, <laughs> I'm, I'm a better person now than I was when I, I started. And I think Taking the time to be silent every now and then is really great, even in just in life, not to be, as you said, let me construct an argument immediately what I'm right and you're wrong, because uh, I can do that, but wouldn't be better to be like, well, maybe I'm not. Let me just sit with this for a while. Uh, and as you say, when it happens on stage, it's, it's magical. Yeah, it's really, really nice. And it's like another thing to remember is that Real life and improv are different because the the habits we develop. <laughs> no, the habits we develop in real life are very useful, and they do protect us, and they do allow us to move through the world in a way where we're not broken down and destroyed continually. Because it's rough out there, people. It's hard. Um, but on improv, we also we want to see things fall apart. We want to see what happens when people are pushed to their limit. We want to see, we go to theater to see things that aren't okay for us to do in real life. And we want to see other people do them. And that's like one of the functions of theater, I think, is to see what happens when we do that. And improv is great because it kind of blurs that line between the actor and the spectator. And we mm -hmm. still keep it pretty um, separate when we perform, but when we start to do improv we break that down you know and if you look at um like augusto Baal and and uh 
games for actors and non-actors, he was really interested in destroying that boundary between mm-hmm. audience and performer and being like, no, you don't get catharsis. You have to act, um, which is a really interesting thing in and of itself, but getting kind of off topic. No, I, mean, I think that's um, amazing. And like Boal's theories of, of theatre for social change and yeah. using forum theatre in order to activate communities and put actions back in their own hands is incredible stuff right like yeah proper world-changing stuff and uh you know because my day job is in uh, poverty eradication and uh, doing non-profit stuff i love these places where my passion and i mean you know my passion for improv uh can touch those sort of professional concerns as well so i always get really excited about stuff like this yeah rule number five don't change the subject which is the final rule. <laughs> cool. Um, this is just something I've been really into lately is I think people are always looking for what is the scene about? What what comes next? When are we going to get to the point of the scene? When are we going to find the game so we can play the game and heighten it? Um, what's What's the joke here? And I've been so, so into lately just starting with what you have and that's it and seeing how deep you can go with it and how far you can push something before you change the subject and building that awareness of how quickly and easily we change the subject and go on to the next thing and let go of what the last person said and and just the tiniest of ways are saying yes and but also this thing without really and it, it kind of plays on all those other things of listening slowing down really reacting and I've been kind of playing with this exercise when I coach lately of making each response, like everybody's line end with, do you know what I mean? And the next person say, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. And then they're lined in with, you know what I mean? Mm. And it really, uh, that's kind of like a, a direct play on also what I learned from Dummy, but really getting people to say, how much can you keep agreeing and let the topic evolve organically and naturally before you change it yourself to something else. And so it's just like you you can't go forever. Something has to give eventually, but we let go way mm-hmm. too quickly. We let go of what's important to us, what we have there. We discard things right and left. You've probably discarded a hundred things in the first 30 seconds of an improv scene because your brain was just like, no, 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 no. It's just looking through a file until it finds the one thing that's good enough. Mm. But what happens when you take that very first thing and you exonerate it and you lift it up and you say, this is the thing that this scene is about and see what you can make it. And it's just really cool to see that. And when we buzz through a thousand different things right at the beginning of a scene the metric we use is probably not really a valid one which is audience laughter a lot of the time Mm -hmm. and that's it just seems like a very poor way to (laughs) to make decisions about your scene and it's 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 i think it's even before the first laugh it's audience laughter it's the other person's reaction it's our own comfort level it's what we had for dinner that night how much caffeine we have in our system as human beings we're always trying to calibrate ourselves to match our surroundings but what if we just went in and said this is it this is the thing and we're gonna we're gonna go with it and it's right because we're telling you it's right 
And there's that beautiful analogy of digging one six-foot hole rather than six one-foot holes, mm-hmm. which I think is a really nice way to think about it. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't mean you have to drill straight down. What if as you drill, it naturally changes course and curves and makes this beautiful pattern, but it's one hole yeah. rather than all these little drops. Being aware of everything that's come before and going deeper with that knowledge, not Mm -hmm. like that wasn't good enough, climb out, start again at the top. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Well, the robot is now fully programmed. So uh, I'll turn it over. And something I forgot to say is that you do get to name it. Ooh. So you, you are its creator. In this iteration, you were given it its personality, essentially. Okay. Uh, So you get to... Give it a name. Uh, I'm going to name it Deep Purple. Deep Purple. That's a lovely name. Yeah. Um, uh, and I, I mean, I just if I adjust this yeah. dial, it is mm. now purple. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's got a kind of a, a kind of holographic membrane on top that allows me mm. to change its primary colors. That's really cool. Well, it worked. I mean, I'm glad it worked. I've been really embarrassed if it didn't work. <laughs> Did it come with that or is that like a modification no, that, you made? No, that's something I made. I, okay bit of a change I, I tinker essentially yeah um but that's obviously parlor tricks the main thing is getting to improvise with it mm-hmm. so uh, if you could just press that big red button in the middle there right. it will boot up Boop. downloading and processing performance matrix one be in love with your scene partner two be upset with your scene partner three make a lot of assumptions Four, react with silence. Five, don't change the subject. Okay, that's normal. Mm, okay. <laughs> I love you. Is that normal? No, that's not. Okay. Um. Um. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that prop that should have fallen off. Do you Let me know see where if the can... Do you know where the fire extinguisher is? Just in case. No, I, I, I haven't been in this room before. Okay. I think it'll be fine. Let me um, just. I mean. I am upset with you. Oh, okay. It looks like it looks. It's looks like it's stabilizing. I assume okay. you want okay. me to run okay. um, around the room. Could you just take a step back, though? Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be fine. I mean, it, it seems really like. I would go right to the other okay. side of the room. Just, I think it's going to be fine. I mean, it I seems. Would... It seems really friendly in a way. Yeah, but it's lashing out. Very huge. Oh. <laughs> oh. Um. Yeah. We okay. should Probably. Um. Um, I'm going to throw something at it. Okay. See how it reacts to it. Okay. Oh, not well, not well. Um. <laughs> um oh, okay. okay, okay. It's, uh, uh, okay, it's moving quickly. Um, uh, okay. okay. All right. Um, uh, we're going to, we're going to need to trick it. Okay. Okay? Yeah, yeah. All right. Ready? Okay. One, two, two three. <laughs> okay. Good. So it's gone into a wall. I think we can sit down again now. Um, for those of you at home, oh. the robot was running around the room. Val managed to uh, snag one of its feet yeah. and it's gone straight into a wall. Oh. So I guess it that didn't work. Yeah. It just seemed like it needed so much from us that we couldn't give it. I know. And, I, you know, you did say things do fall apart and that's okay. Yeah. So maybe we should... Take that advice. Yeah. Um, also, I should say that this is not the first time. It has gone wrong before now. Oh. Yeah. So I think out of the last, I would think my, I mean, I'm not great at maths, but um, 
in terms of how success rate, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. would say it's it's around zero percent. And and in American, a, that is zero percent. Zero percent. Zero percent. So it's not you. It's definitely m- my mechanical skills. Um, so don't feel bad about it. Okay. <laughs> I just I, I don't feel like I was warned adequately. It's that not. That was it's a not real. It's not. It's not real. Because you you seem to be acting a bit like you've seen someone die, but it's just it's just nuts and bolts. It's just, just circuit boards. I felt really, really connected. Poor old deep purple, like vulnerable and real, like we shared something. Do you want to take ten seconds just of silence? Yeah, to... I want to react in silence. Sure. Yeah. Well, that was great. Um, we should probably move on with the podcast now. Yeah, go ahead. You, you, Change the subject. Okay. Yeah. No, it's let, fine. Yeah. Let me let me do this. Um, okay. You do a lot of wonderful work. Yeah. Uh, people mm-hmm. will have heard this podcast and thought, "How can I hear more or see?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, what uh, contact details uh, or um, websites or stuff? If people want to see more of your stuff, where where would they go? Yeah, uh, I say probably pgraph dot com. Be great. That's my troop, and you can find info about me and the other members of PGraph. Um, yeah, that's probably best. If we've met in person, you can find me on Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> I, that, I don't that, usually friend strangers. That's but, a good caveat. I like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. Um, oh, I also this is kind of a side note, but I made a list of improv and improv related books mm-hmm. that some people have found quite useful. Um, and I can give you the link and maybe you can associate that with the podcast. I will. I'll put it in the, in the notes. Yeah. yeah no, right. That's good. Always nice to have new, uh, improv reading. Yeah. In fact, Big Graph have just, um, made a book, right? That's right. We have, we just wrote a book. Um, it's a collection of short essays on narrative improv, which is our specialty. And, um, I guess e- email us, go to our website and find us through there if you'd like a copy of it. Maybe yeah. go to the nursery and ask there and we'll try and maintain some copies. Yeah, that sounds like a good plan. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. I, you have been hit harder by the loss of the robot than some of my other guests. So I feel You're, like I've bummed you, can, you out. You can fix it? Oh, yeah, we can repair it. We okay. can rebuild. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There's always another week. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I feel okay about things now. Um, uh, so thank you so much for giving up your thank time. Thank you for having me. You're, uh, I, yeah, as I say, it is, it's incredible to have improvisers of your caliber on the show. Uh, I hope that people at home get as much out of it as I certainly have. Um, and if you would like to, uh, comment on the show, uh, you know, tell me something that I should have asked as a question or, you know, just have debates on any of the things that we talked about, then all of the details for show contact details um, will be along in just a moment at the end, as they always are. But for now, it remains just for me to say thank you so much, Val. Thank you, Chris. And uh, thank you to all of you at home. I will see you next week once the robot has been rebuilt. Cheerio. Bye. Thank you for listening to YesBot. You can talk to me on Twitter at YesBot5000. Hey, why not join our listeners group at facebook.com slash group slash YesBotClub. You can also email me 
on YesBot5000 at iCloud.com. Your host was Chris Mead. Find him at Mr. Chris Mead on Twitter. The YesBot theme was composed and engineered by Fred Deakin. YesBot logo and graphics by Kind Studio. Okay, I love you. Goodbye.